0: Let's hop into the Word here. We got a lot of Bible to go through. That's a good thing. I think I have about 30 references in here. And if you add up all the verses, we're probably around 60 to 75 verses. You can count them if you want. Uh, But, man, wouldn't that be a bummer if you came to a church that didn't get into the Word and just spit philosophies? That'd be a big bummer. So we're all about the Bible here. We love it as God's inspired Word to us. And can you imagine what we're going to be speaking on today just, just, a clue with my very creative titles, as you can obviously always see. We are going to be speaking on healing today, yeah, and we're going to be hopping into Matthew four. So we're actually this was on the docket. Remember, we didn't have church last week, okay? So we were actually we're going to be circling around back to Matthew. Um, we're we're going to be picking up in verse twenty three. But when Steve comes back, we'll be circling back around to where he would have been speaking. So. God, we love you. We love you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for just always taking care of us, God. You're so kind. You're so good. You're everything we need, Father. You are our being. You are everything, God, that this world needs and craves for. It's you. So, God, I pray that your word goes forth today. I pray we see healings today. I pray that we see your heart today, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so verse 23, it starts out this way. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases. Those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed. And he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. So let's hit on some points of observation that I have here. Number one, we see from that example it was every single disease and sickness that was brought to Jesus that he healed. It wasn't just some, it was all kinds. It was so big that word spread like wildfire. We see later on, people started coming back. They heard about this healing going on and say, I need some of this. I'm gonna come back to Jesus and get healed. And it's interesting. It started off with a few of the types of healings and then it grew into more. And it tells us severe pain, demon possessed, seizures, paralyzed, and he healed them. He healed them. And then lastly, these people would have thought, well, surely if we saw him healed, then I can go and get healed. Otherwise, they wouldn't have come. They wouldn't have come to get healed from Jesus after they heard that their friend was just healed moments ago. But what's also really cool about this is that the testimony of those first people that got healed led to the faith of the second group of people to get healed. And when you hear people's testimonies about healing, it builds your own faith to receive your own healing. And that's exactly what we see here in Matthew 4. So how does this apply to us? Mill City Church, 2023, in March, that still feels like January. How does this apply to us? Why is this for us? Well, because this is our starting point. Here in Matthew, this would be the starting point to us seeing the heart of God manifest and particularly in healing i believe when we know the heart of god when we see what he's really about what makes god tick when we see who he is we will see him manifest and we need to know his ways in order to see his ways hosea 4 6 says my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge Because you have rejected knowledge, I also will reject you from being priests for me. Because you have forgotten the law of your God, I also will forget your children. And then in Romans 12 it says, Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. Okay, how do you not conform to it? You be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What happens when you be transformed by the renewing of your mind? You get to test God's will and approve God's will. Well, what is God's will? It's good, it's pleasing, and it's perfect. Guess what? You're gonna get to see God's will manifest once you transform your mind. Once you are renewed by God's word, we have to know his will in order to see his will. I believe God's will is healing. I believe the scriptures tell us that God's will is healing, and if we want to see it, we have to know it. We have to know his will in order to see his will. Now, before we dive in, I I think this is a, a, a term all of us have heard so much, the will of God. What is the will of God? What is the will of God in my life? I'm sure we've heard that. I've said it a thousand times. God, what's your will for me? Well, let's dive in to the original Greek word here, and it's thelema, will, the word will, thelema. Okay, it is an act of will, or will, it'll even say, or wishes or desires. So let's put this real simply. The will of God is God's desire. You want to know when it talks about the will of God in Scripture, which it talks about countless times, it is God's desires, his thelema. But it's not like God's thalamah, his desires, it's not like they just change, like God's some bipolar figure that we see from other religions. If it's God's will, it's God's will. If it's his desire, it's his desire. He doesn't shift like shadows, okay? He doesn't change and move, and I'm feeling this one day, and then I'm not feeling that another day, my desires change. That's not him. Like it's not like one day he desires to give you healing and then the next day he desires to give you sickness. That's not God. His desire on that never changes. Now remember what Romans says. We just read it. It's his good will, it's his pleasing will, and it's his perfect will. It is God's perfect will. God's desires and his wishes are good, pleasing and perfect. Praise God. And I'm going to say this right now, sickness, it's not good, it's not pleasing, and it's not perfect. It is not part of God's will. Sickness is not God's will. It is not his desire. Healing is good, pleasing, and perfect. We need to know his will to see his will. And when we be transformed by the renewing of our mind, guess what Romans says? We're going to be able to test his will and approve his will. In other words, we're going to be able to see his will. 1 Peter 5.14, this is the confidence that we have in approaching God. Notice how he says it's the confidence we have in approaching God. Not just like, oh yeah, here's how you can kind of come to God. No, this is the assurance you can have in coming to God. That if we ask anything according to his thilema, he hears us. His will, his desires, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, so if we know that this is his will, we know he hears us. And if we know he hears us, then whatever we ask, we know that we've had what we ask of him. So what's the key here? Get to know God's will. Get to know his heart. Get to know his desires. This word, so that if we ask anything according to his will, the original word for that is ahiteo. Ahiteo. Now, this is interesting. Part of the words for its usage is I ask or request, but there's two more words that we don't really use in our language too often when it comes to asking, and it's petition or demand. Interesting. The original Greek word for that is to ask, request, petition, or demand is is the common usages for that. And you're going to kind of see throughout this sermon this morning a little bit of the difference in our, in our English language between this asking and this petitioning or this demanding or the, the demeanor that they can take on. So if healing is his will, then whatever we ahiteo or ask according to his will, then he hears us and then we have the healing that we ask for according to 1 Peter. If healing is indeed his will. But to know if it's will, we need to dive into more of the scriptures to see what God says on it. Now, Romans says that we can actually know God's will, as we just read about. So what does Ephesians say? So then, do not be foolish, but understand the word or the will of the Lord. Don't be fools. Understand God's will. Colossians 1.9, for this reason also since the day that we've heard it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will, filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, all, not some, not a piece of the pie, the prayers for all of God's spiritual wisdom and understanding and you are filled with all of the knowledge of his will. Colossians 4.12, Epaphras, who is one of your number, a bond slave of Jesus Christ, sends you his greetings, always laboring earnestly for you in his prayers, that you may stand perfect and fully assured in the will of God. We are to be fully sure, steadfast, I'm resolved, this is the will of God. We are to know God's will. How can we know God's will? Holy Spirit. Man, in and of himself, cannot understand God's will. That's impossible. It has to be spiritually revealed to you through Holy Spirit. That you may stand perfect and fully assured in all the will of God. You think it's important to know God's will? So I want to talk, maybe for lack of better terms, two categories of God's will, if you will. The first category, I call it his universal will. Okay, so this this is his overarching will for humanity. So for example, salvation. You never have to go back to God and be like, God, do you want this person saved? Like, no, we know it is his universal will. Like, he always wants people saved, okay? What about, like, love? God, do you want me to love this person? You know, not like, like God standing up there and be like, no, hate that person. Like, uh, of course not. But it's his universal will. Love is his universal will. We love because he first loved us. Okay. Taking care of the widows and the orphans that we don't ever have to question if God's like, okay with it, if we do this or not okay with it. It's those things that he's like, no, just do it. Like I've showed you. So here you go just do it, and I'm never going to fault you for it. You could go and love someone, the true definition of love, they screw you over, and God's still like, hey, you still followed my commands. Praise God. That is what matters. It's his universal will. Now, the other type of will, I guess, if you want to look at it, almost like a circumstantial will, once again, kind of for lack of better terms. So universal will, circumstantial will. So when Jesus took dirt, spit on it, and made mud and put it on his eyes. I don't believe that God's telling all of us to grab a jar of dirt with us everywhere we go as we go into Walmart and start spitting on it and put it on people's eyes, okay? Um, You can. I mean, maybe if God really tells you to do that, but I don't carry dirt with me. So maybe, I don't know. I would say that one was a little more circumstantial for what the Holy Spirit was trying to do at that specific time. But the universal will, guess what? was still healing. Jesus still healed the man. Man, Paul, Paul bored a kid to death that he fell out of a window and died. (laughs) Paul was that good of a speaker, that dude falls asleep, falls out a third story window and dies. Okay, so literally he was bored to death. All right? (laughs) Dad joke. Paul doesn't just say, yo kid, get up. Paul lays on the guy and he wraps his arms around him and revives him. Now, did Paul revive him or did God revive him? God. Good. But Holy Spirit led Paul to lay on him, wrap his arms around him. I believe we can raise the dead, but God might not always be calling you to lay on the dead person in order to see him raised. If he does, that's between you and him. But I would say that was more of a circumstantial will, but what was the end result? The universal will of healing. Now, Exodus 17, God calls Moses to strike the rock so that water would pour forth. He does, water pours forth, but then in Numbers 20, God told him to speak to the rock Moses, out of frustration, still strikes the rock. In God's grace, water still pours forth, but then God punishes Moses because he said, No, no, no. I know I told you back then to strike the rock. I didn't tell you to strike the rock this time. This time I told you to speak to the rock, and you didn't, and you disobeyed me. There is still this part that we need to be aware of what Holy Spirit is trying to do in this given time, to see what is his circumstantial will, though the universal will might be the same. It might still be the healing, as we're seeing through here. I'm saying God's universal will is healing, but he might be calling you to specific things that's going to prophesy to that person in that time in order to see that healing. God doesn't go with this thing of, ah, maybe I want to heal today, Maybe he feels like healing you today. Maybe he doesn't. Can you imagine how much uncertainty that would put in our minds if that's kind of how we lived our life with God when someone wants to come to you for healing? Someone says, man, I'd really love for you to pray for me. I'm really needing healing in this area. You're like, it just might not be God's will today. Like, I just don't really know. Can I be honest with you? How can you have any type of faith in that situation? How can you ever believe for God to come and heal someone when you just don't know his will? And scripture says we're fools if we don't know his will. We're actually being foolish by not getting to know the will of God. In other words, he's saying, I'm teaching you my heart. I'm teaching you my will, so please do it, is what God's trying to get to. If you believe that sometimes it's God's will to heal and sometimes it's not, then we have to stay consistent with that claim. What is the alternative of God not wanting to heal you? The alternative would be God wanting you to be sick. You got to stay consistent with that argument if you're going to go that route. And we know that it is not God's will for you to be sick. We've seen sickness in Scripture, but God never once desired it. He's not fond of it. He doesn't like it. He doesn't think it's cute. God hates sickness because it's a direct assault against his creation so how did we get in this mess how did we get in this mess where sickness and pain and strife and all of this it's the origin it's the origin story adam and eve thank you adam and eve awesome adam and eve they in the beginning was no sickness no pain they were free of it adam and eve They sinned, they brought death into the world, sickness being a part of that death. Now, what originally was just blessings, now brought in curses. So now you have blessings and curses. God says, I'm going to give you the choice, but regardless, it still brought curses into this world. Sickness falls under the category of curse. Sickness does not fall under the category of blessing. If you read the scriptures, it makes that very clear. Then, Jesus comes on the scene. He's like, I'm here. I got this. Let's do this. Jesus comes on to redeem us from the curse. Why do I say that? Galatians confirms it. Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. Why? How? By becoming a curse for us. For it's written, curse is everyone who is hung on a pole. If you get a chance, read when Moses, when they put the bronze snake on the pole and what that represents. I I don't have it in here for sake of time. We're not going to get into it. But it's amazing when you read that story, how it is so reflective about Jesus being hung on the tree, bearing our curse, our sickness. Isaiah 53, 4 says this. Surely he took up our pain and bore our sufferings, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. Well, Jake, how do you know that this is physical healing? Because Matthew confirms it. In Matthew, it says, When Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother in law lying in bed with a fever. He touched her hand, and the fever left her. And she got up and began to wait on him. And then, when evening came, many who were demon possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word, and he healed all the sick. Here it is. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and he bore our diseases. We just read it. He bore our sicknesses. And we see from this particular context that this was talking about not only physical healing, but physical healing here on earth. Now, as you read Isaiah, it does reference spiritual healing, absolutely. But in our particular context... In Matthew, it was the fulfillment of healing. The overall healing was the salvation, there's no doubt, but then the physical healing came through that, okay? So for people to say, well, no, they're just talking about spiritual healing, that's not in line with what Scripture says. Scripture makes it very clear that Jesus fulfilled it, and what did he fulfill? The healing of physical ailments on earth. Praise God, there is a healing in heaven. Praise God. I'll get to that pretty much at the end of the sermon because I want to talk about that a little more. What does that look like for believers? Not only did Jesus bear your sicknesses, he did it so that you can also go heal others. It wasn't just for you, it was for everyone. And he wants to show you an example of it's for you and then how you can go out and see others healed in Jesus' name. Which actually leads to my next point and I call it the blueprint. The blueprint. You guys know what a blueprint is. Obviously a blueprint it is a a drawing maybe an architect an engineer puts it together and then the builder has to come and do what the blueprint says okay but the blueprint isn't meant to just be like hey do you see my pretty art drawing this is good all right now you can go on your way and not even use this. No, the whole point of the blueprint is so that you see how it's supposed to be done and then you go do it. It's a blueprint. That's what it's meant there. That's what it's meant for. And God gave us a blueprint. But guess what? It wasn't a drawing he gave us. It was his son. He gave us his son as the blueprint to how we are to operate our lives while we're still on this earth fighting this battle. And his son Jesus presented God's blueprint not through a piece of paper, but through his actions. And he says, Now go and do the same. How do I know, how do we know that what Jesus did was of the Father? Colossians tells us the Son is the image of the invisible God. God can't screw up, God doesn't sin, God can't not heal someone. The son is the image of the invisible God. So if God wants to heal, they're healed. So if Jesus heals, he's doing what God wants him to. He's the image of God. He is God's heart made manifest. Colossians, what does John say? Jesus said to him, have I been with you for so long and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? The one who has seen me has seen the father. How can you say, show us the father? Jesus is like, I'm right here, you see me. You see God Here I am. We're the same. John 5, 19, 20. So Jesus replied, Truly, truly, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself unless he sees the Father doing it. For whatever the Father does, the Son also does. God does it, Jesus does it because they are completely 100% in unity. The Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. And to your amazement, he will show him even greater works than these. There is never a time in Scripture where Jesus puts sickness on someone. There is never a time in Scripture where Jesus says, it's not my will to heal you today. Don't you think, seeing that the Father showed Jesus all he does, as we just read here in John, that if god wanted you sick he would have shown jesus how to make you sick do you think that if god's like no, i'm not feeling like healing you today that he would have showed jesus and we would have had at least one example in jesus ministry to show that healing's not for you today but all we see is jesus heal and in john 6:38 says i have come down from heaven this is jesus talking I've come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me, God the Father. Jesus says, I'm only doing God's will. That's all I'm going to do is God's will. So I'm going to heal, 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 and heal some more. Now, there was a time in scripture, it's in Luke 5, you can read about this, where crowds flocked to Jesus and they wanted two things out of him. They wanted him to preach the word and they wanted him to be healed jesus knew that and fled to be alone with the father now sadly i've heard that as the argument for why jesus doesn't always want to heal you that argument falls short for many reasons i'm going to hit a few first of all jesus had to be alone with the father It was our model, and if Jesus, I'm going to make this, if Jesus never had his alone time with the Father and all he did was ministry, I bet you he would have gotten burnt out too. If Jesus never had his alone time with the Father, we wouldn't be here today because that was his nutrition. And if Jesus wasn't alone with the Father, he probably would have sinned too. But praise God, he didn't. He was okay with offending people to be alone with the Father. The other thing about this is we don't live in that same exact era when Jesus was walking on the earth. Because guess what? We have his Holy Spirit now. We don't have to go find Jesus in the Middle East to find and get healed. Scripture says we don't have to call to the skies or pull from the depths to get God, my paraphrase, Because he's everywhere and he's in us. If you've received Jesus as your Christ, the Holy Spirit of God is on the inside of you. I don't have to go to the Middle East to get healed. I have Holy Spirit living on the inside of me. Otherwise, another point in regard to this Jesus' actions, they were not a rejection against healing, it was placing a greater emphasis on your alone time with the Father. And you can go heal and do all you want and do all the ministry you want. You can serve in the kids. You can be on the youth team. You can do whatever you want here at Mill City Church and think you got it good with God. But if you do not have your alone time with the Father, you are on sinking sand and I am frightened for you. It is all about being alone with God. Then the ministry flows from that point not the other way around. You don't try to do ministry to be approved by God, you will burn out. You are approved by God, now you go do ministry and live from that source. Also, lastly, if we use that argument that it's not always God's will to heal, we gotta keep it consistent. There were two things that people wanted him to do, heal and preach the word. So if we're saying, well, it's not always God's will to heal, then we're saying it's not always God's will to preach the word and have the gospel preached. It's not always his desire for the gospel to be preached, if we're going to keep it consistent. Now in Mark 6, when Jesus came into his hometown, he wanted to perform miracles. Once again, there was the will there, but he couldn't because Scripture says it was because of the unbelief. So he laid his hands on a few sick people and he healed them, and we'll see later that unbelief can actually stop God's hand. But it doesn't mean it's not his will. It doesn't mean it's not his desire. It's his will that no one perishes, yet people perish. Is that God's fault that people perish, or is that our fault that people perish? God is in complete control, no doubt, but he doesn't control everything. If he did, we'd be robots. There's a thing called free will. He has intentionally, by his own sovereignty, given some control over, yet not losing control. That makes sense? Okay, we'll try this again not over here. All right. God never loses control, but he does give up control. Okay, I got a thumbs up. It was from my uncle, but I'll take it. I'm okay with that. Relatives got to stick together, you know what I mean? (laughs) That's good. He's in complete control, but he doesn't control everything by his own sovereignty. So let's go over some healings from Jesus, our blueprint. Well, we'll go over our passage once again from what we read today. It's in Matthew 4.23. Jesus went, I told you, we got a lot of verses to get through. This is good. This is real good. Buckle your proverbial seatbelts. Let's do this. Jesus went through Galilee teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Matthew eight sixteen. when evening had come, they had brought to him many who were demon-possessed and he cast out the spirits with a word and he healed all who were sick. Matthew 14, 14, when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion for them and he healed their sick. Mark 6, 56, wherever he entered into villages, cities or the country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that he just might, that may, they might touch the hem of his garment, that they might just get a sliver of Jesus. And as many as touched him were made well. John 21, 25, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose the whole entire world would not have room for the books written about Jesus. And Psalm 103, 2, listen to this, so beautiful. Bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not his benefits who pardons all your iniquities? who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Psalms says, don't forget it. It's a benefit of God's to heal all your diseases and God loves healing you. Jesus is our blueprint. And we can do the same works Jesus did and greater. Well, how can you say that, Jake? Well, I, I didn't. Jesus did. John fourteen twelve. very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to be with the Father. This is possible because Jesus is our blueprint and he showed us by his actions how to do it. He led through action and said, Now, the same Holy Spirit I walked with, you can walk with, and now go do it. Acts ten thirty-seven. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John had preached. <laughs> 37 right there is literally what we've been talking about in Matthew. Pretty awesome, huh? And this is an axe. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Jesus was baptized by John and then baptized in the Holy Holy Spirit before starting his ministry. Now listen here, listen here, if we see the way Jesus operated in his ministry is just simply him flexing his God muscles, just saying, well, because I'm God, I I can do it. Now, I'll preface this whole thing before you think I'm a heretic. Jesus is God, obviously. If you've been to Mill City and heard me preach it ever, I make that very clear. Jesus is God, praise God. But if he did his miracles, his life, his resisting of sin, if he did all of these things as God instead of empowered by God, that's a big difference. Then what we do is we tend to stand back and we say, Wow, man, that's praise God, I love when you do your miracles, but what happens is we stand from afar and it allows us to become complacent because we don't think we could ever attain that. So we kind of sit on the sidelines and when somebody doesn't get healed, we're like, oh, well. (laughs) I mean, Jesus walked on water because he was God. Well, yeah, Peter did too. So what's our excuse? Oh, well, Jesus fed the 5,000, he was God. It was the power of the Holy Spirit that he operated by. He taught us to do that. He told the disciples, you feed them. (laughs) And they're like, all right, well, the... He's crazy. (laughs) But Jesus was serious. He said, you feed them. You take care of them. I've shown you. You know how to do it. It's all through the power of God. Jesus chose to operate his life as a man empowered by the Holy Spirit, fully God, fully man. It's awesome. He always was God. He always is God. That's never going to change. He did it then. He says, hey, see how I did it? Here you go. Go ahead. I'll show you. I'll show the way. I'll lead by example first. Now, do as I did. John 20, 20 through 22. After he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. And again, Jesus said to them, Peace be with you. Here it is. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And when he said this, it was an action. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Imagine he says, hey, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. All right, see a peace, deuces, out. No, he goes, receive the Holy Spirit. Because this is how I did it. In other words, he's saying, I showed you the blueprint, now go. And you know what it's called? It's called Delegation. It's called delegation of authority. You don't have to look too far. Any healthy organism on earth has a delegated system. Mill City Church has a delegated system. Steve, Steve Kayla, he owns his whole business. You, you look at business ownership. All right, he owns the Binding Edge. Gave you a little plug there. Because <laughs> he really needs my plug, like... Steve is the owner of Binding Edge. They have a factory, they have machines, they have all this. Could you imagine if from day one, everybody who Steve brings on and everybody who he would hire be like, all right, I'm going to show you around the factory. All right, here's our handbook, here's what we do. Here's how you handle conflict when this comes to. Here's if you have an issue, here's our ways on how to solve it. Could you imagine if he trains up all of these people and says, here's how you do business? And every single time an issue arrived, they had to go back to Steve. Hey, Steve, do you want me to do this? Like, I know you, like, gave me this handbook on, like, okay, if if the machine breaks, well, then you got to do X, Y, and Z to get it to not break and get it all fixed up. But do you really want me to do that? And you're like, "Um, hey, in my handbook, I told you, yeah, take care of it. Okay, could you imagine business? This is just bad business if you delegate authority and nobody can carry out your authority. That's bad business because nothing will get done and you won't make money business. But look in any way. And Steve has a running business. Steve can't do it all himself. You cannot have a big company and do it by yourself. You have to delegate your authority and trust the people with your authority. And eventually, they should know your will, your desire for the company and they carry it out. Now from there, it's up to them. Are they gonna actually handle the authority that was delegated to them, or are they gonna fail the test? Time will tell. You wouldn't do this in the military, you wouldn't do it in the hospital, you wouldn't do it in your family. Our kids, I want to delegate my authority so they don't have to come back and say, hey dad, do you want me to love this person? Hey, Dad, like, should I share my toy with that person? But truly, our heart's desire is that our kids will do what we do and then surpass us. God wants the same thing. Do what Jesus did and then do greater works than Jesus did. Why? Because it's all under one Holy Spirit. It's all his power, so do as he did. Now the commissioning the commissioning. Now it's our turn. It's your turn. Mark 16 And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They will cast out devils. They will speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. Isn't that interesting? Those were his last words before going up to God. Those were his last words. And they went forth. They took it into action. They preached everywhere. The Lord working with them and confirming the words with signs following. Amen. This is for us. He promises this for us, and then he says, go, use what I have given you. Use the delegated authority that I have placed in your stewardship. And then a few verses later, so sorry, backtrack just a smidge. Matthew 10 Jesus called his disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Then we have a few verses later in 5 where it says this, These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions, Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel as you go. Proclaim this message. Here it is. The kingdom of heaven has come near. If you remember two weeks ago, we talked about it. The kingdom is at hand. Jesus started it, said it's at hand. It's here. It's right within your reach. And he says that kingdom of heaven has come here. Okay, here it is. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, freely you've received this power, now freely give. The context is of this. What, what do you mean freely you've received, freely give? He tells us what we freely receive, so now freely give it. That doesn't sound like, a, ah, maybe one day you can, and then maybe other days don't, and then this and that. And no, it says, hey, I've, I've given it to you freely, now do it. Now, we see this in action. Acts 3, 6 through 8, there was a lame man begging for money at the temple gate, and it picks up and it says this then he looks because he wanted money, thinking Peter had money for him, okay? Peter goes, silver or gold, I don't have any, but what I do have, I give you. Interesting verbiage. What I have, I give you. It's not silver or gold, it's not money. I don't, I don't got no money for you. But what I do have, Holy Spirit's power, his healing, I give you. Get up and walk in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Taken him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. Do you realize the right hand is signified in Scripture as authority and power? All over. Jesus sits at the right hand of God. Authority, power. There's so, you just read, it's all throughout Scripture about what the right hand means. He jumped to his feet and began to walk, and then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. Peter knew he had something, and he knew he could freely give it. Now, later on in that same context, he makes it abundantly clear it wasn't Peter's power. Peter's like, yo, it wasn't me, okay? It's not by my godliness. It's not by my goodness. You know what it's by? It's by faith in the name of Jesus. Point blank. It was faith in the name of Jesus. It wasn't Peter. I'll word it this way. Peter freely gave healing through faith. How did that faith arise? Because Jesus prophesied it over him and said, here you go. Freely you've got it, freely give it. It increased his faith. It says Peter did it through faith. Peter said himself it was through faith in the name of Jesus that made this man walk. It wasn't by my positive thinking. It wasn't by just something that I could just pull together. It was by Jesus. He knew it was God's will, his universal will, because he made it clear. Now, I understand, if you want to rebuttal the last thing I said, that in that context, Jesus said, hey, go speak to the lost sheep of Israel and do this. But, once again, if you see all intertwined throughout Scripture, it wasn't just Jews that were getting healed, it was Gentiles that were getting healed as well. It was all throughout Scripture. Jesus healed a centurion's servant, non-Jew. Many many other passages that speak to this, I, I could go on and on. But it also says that these signs will accompany any who believe. Any. Not limited to just Jews. So, I think the follow-up question would be, okay, Jake, well, how do I, you, you say it's God's will, okay. You say that we can do it, great. Now, how do I appropriate this? How do I put it in my life? What do I do practically? Well, remember, first of all, Peter said it was by faith. Peter made it very clear, not by works, not by law, not by my goodness, not because I'm just the OG, not because I'm just all that in a bag of chips, it's because it's faith in Jesus, because it was actually all the powers in Jesus and God. Then in Galatians, it says, so again, I asked, does God give his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law? No, 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 no. It's by believing what you've heard, believing what you've heard. Heard the word of God. Mark 9:23. If you can, Jesus said. What do you mean if I can? Everything is possible for one who believes believes in what? Jesus, the name of Jesus, the power of Jesus, the healing of Jesus. Mark 11:24, therefore I tell you whatever you ask for in prayer, this is, this is weird, but it's God, so it's good. Believe you've received it, and it will be yours. Past tense. Believe you've already received it, and it will be yours. Are you denying reality? If I have a sickness in my body, I still know that there's something coming against my body. I get that, but he still says believe you've already received it. And we've seen from previous verses, it's whatever is in line with his will. But if healing is his will, then believe you've already received it, and it will be yours. It didn't always say right away. It didn't didn't give us a timetable, but it says it's yours. It's yours. You can have it if you want it. Jesus is not holding back his healing on you. He says it's yours. And God is never late. He's never early. He's always on time. Now, as we saw, it's got to be in God's will. But God makes it very clear to see his will come to pass, we need to have faith. I, I understand that's been abused. I get that. But we also can't deny it because of the failure of other people. I'm a poor representation of Christ, but that doesn't eliminate the mission. God's word stood the test of time. It always will stand the test of time. God's word existed before the earth was formed. So to me, even though I'm not the best representation of it, I can't deny it. And that would not be rightly handling the word of truth to look at somebody else's example or misappropriation of it and all of a sudden think that's Bible. And it's not about having mass amounts of faith either. That's the other thing we gotta know. Jesus says, hey, you have this little itty-bitty faith of a mustard seed and you can actually tell that mountain get thrown into the sea. But he says when you believe, don't doubt. It reminds me of the person that says, God, I believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. He's like, you just need a little bit of faith. And you, all things are possible through Christ Jesus. But he also gives us some very alarming words for those who don't believe. James, as you know, if you read the book of James, he pretty much loves to hit you over the face with a two-by-four and just call it what it is. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. That's a generous God. And it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. And that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord because such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. He says, believe, don't doubt. Matthew 17 says, I brought him to your disciples. Now context of Matthew 17 is there was the disciples, they tried to heal the demoniac boy, they couldn't. And it picks up right here of the father. He goes, I I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. Jesus says, oh, unbelieving and perverse generation, how long must I remain with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy here. Then Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy and he was healed from that moment. That's, those words are startling. Oh, unbelieving and perverse generation. God's like, I showed you how to heal these people and you didn't do it. Not a guilt, shame, condemnation message. That's obviously, Jesus is not coming to the world to condemn the world. But he was also truthful. And he told them, you are unbelieving right now. And this is perverse. Now, in the wake of this wonderful generation and all this new age thinking that's going on, I'll make it very clear, this is not that. Flat out. This isn't just like, hey, just do positive thinking, find your inner self, woo <laughs> This is faith in a God who's been here before you were even born. This is taking what we believe to be God's will. And that's the, the whole thing is, God, I need to know your will. And taking what he has given you and then using it. This is not just a, hey, as long as you think positive and it's behavior modification and you can do anything you put your mind to. Yeah, except save your life. And yeah, of course, I'd rather have you think positively than negatively. Duh. Duh. But it's so limited in value and it's not going to bring the healing. Jesus brings the healing. Faith in the name of Jesus brings the healing. It is all about taking God's will and seeing it manifest on this earth. God, your will on earth as it is in heaven. God, your desires on earth as it is in heaven. We are to let heaven invade earth. Heaven should be so permeated throughout this culture that earth looks like the second reality. Heaven looks like the first reality. That's a normal Christian life. That you are so heavenly minded, you're so earthly good. It's all about bringing heaven to earth. It's all about God, what is your will? Well, there's no sickness in heaven great, that I'm praying healing on earth. It's a seamless connection. And God has chosen us to be his conduits to see his kingdom come to earth. Do I have any electricians in the house? Je- Jesse, you here? Is Jesse in the, no, nope, maybe he's in the green room. That's okay. Love you. love you, Jesse. <laughs> if an electrician comes to your house, we're gonna say, Jesse, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hope he's listening. And Jesse comes to your house and hooks up your electricity for you. And all of a sudden, three o'clock in the morning, rise in, you go, oh my gosh, my lights are off. I need to call Jesse. Yeah, what, Jake? Hey, um, my living room lights are off. Can you actually come turn them on for me, (laughs) please? He's like, Jake, light switch. Oh, cool, thanks. The power was always there. I had to go and flip the switch. Was it something cool that I did? Do you give somebody a Nobel Prize because they flipped a light switch? No. You're like, wow, great. Way to do it. That's awesome. It wasn't my power. The power was already there, though, and God says, go flip the switch. I've given it all to you. You read the prodigal son. he says, son, everything I have is yours. So go do it. Flip the switch. You don't need to call me to ask if you can go heal someone. I'll do it. Just believe. Have faith in Jesus. Now, this is interesting. Jesus and the disciples give us a really great framework on how to pray. Let's take a note of this really quick. When it came to healing, when it came to miracles, when it came to signs and wonders, did you know that Jesus never went back and said, okay, God, all right, God, I'm going to really need you to do this for me. Here we go. All right, will you please take care of this? The disciples never did that either. They never came and said, "All right, God, will you please heal this person?" No, I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm not saying that. Don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that's wrong. But from our examples in Scripture, call a spade a spade. That's how they prayed. Get that rhyme. Call a spade a spade. That's how they prayed. Let's go. Oh, that's not my notes. That one's free. Promise. But for real, though, that's how they prayed. They would speak to it. They would say, be healed. They would say, get up and walk. Once again, was it their word specifically that had the power? No, it was all the power in God. But they had the faith, and they're like, I know that person's getting up. I know that person's going to raise once again, we had some circumstantial wills. Remember, Paul laid on the dead man. Jesus spit on the dirt, made mud. Okay, great, praise God. But the overall will was healing. They spoke to it. Jesus said, you have mustard seed faith. Speak to the mountain. You tell it to move. You feed the people. That's the delegated authority and what that looks like. Now, there are times, don't get me wrong, and like I said, that's why I'm saying this. is. It's not bad to go to God and say, hey, God, I need your help. Great, praise God. He loves it. We even saw that when they were casting lots for the next disciple for Judas, and they said, God, show us. We need you. Show us who it is. And they threw lots. I'm talking specifically in regard to miracles and signs and wonders and healing. That's how Jesus taught them how to pray. He showed it first, and then you see it in the disciples. And then you'd see an anointing of God where, man, they'd lay a handkerchief on someone, people would be healed. They'd be walking and shadows would fall on people, being bit by snakes. Paul got bit by a snake. He's like, okay. It's all God's power. He's so good. They spoke with an authority because they knew it was delegated authority and they spoke with it and they saw people healed. They knew it was the Father's will to heal. So someone comes up and they need healing with a migraine. They said, man, my head is hurting. I need healing with a migraine. Be sensitive to the spirit. What is the spirit telling me in this situation? But still, cast out the migraine in Jesus' name. Pray over it. Call it out. Someone's got a broken leg. They're like, man, I want my leg healed. In Jesus' name, your leg is healed. Bones, men together, in Jesus' name. Be healed. Speak to that issue. God always talks about speaking it out. Quite honestly, I think that's actually where some of the New Age thinking came from. Because they saw, I mean, we even see in Scripture, they're like, dang, I want some of this power. Like, I'll pay you some money for it. (laughs) I mean, this has been going on for all time. Because God's power is actually real. And people are sick of following fake gods, so they see something real, and they're like, oh, man, that guy was thinking positively. Maybe I should just think like that. But not knowing that all the power is in God. They miss the main component. When people come up to you and ask for prayer, be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit is it is it a spit and mud type of moment? case-by-case case basis, but the overall will is healing. so I'm gonna speak to that. This person wants to be healed of that. I'm gonna pray with, I'm gonna go down swinging and make sure this person's healed. Hear me on this. Too many people pray like slaves not knowing their master's business when we need to be praying like sons and daughters who know their father's will. You should always have a servant heart. But Jesus even says, I no longer call you slaves because a slave doesn't know what their master's doing. I call you friends because you know my father's heart. Worship team can come up here. Pretty please. <laughs> so I want to talk about some some wrap-up points on healing. Healing needs to have the foundation of love or don't bother. You can do all these amazing works for God, but if you've got no love, it's nothing. Clanging cymbals, gongs, it's just, it's obnoxious, it's... It's not God's heart. Don't be so quick to judge someone that needs healing when maybe they're coming up for prayer for a family member. Maybe they're coming up for prayer because they got a a root of bitterness going on. Jesus asked a blind man what he wanted to be healed from. Well, everyone in this room, including myself, would be like, he wants healing over his eyes. And he did in this case. But Jesus wanted to know, hey, you tell me. What, talk to me. What do you want to be healed from? I think sometimes we can look at the physical side of it and think, oh yeah, that person wants healing for that. And then we totally miss hearing their heart. Let them talk. Let them tell you what they want healing for. Sometimes God might give you a word of knowledge to, to call it out. That is, it happens a lot. But the the whole foundation of what I'm trying to say is having this sensitive heart to be like, okay, I'm going to listen. And if they come up for healing, great. That's what they told me? We're praying over that. We're going to see that thing healed. Healing, point number two, healing is to serve others. It's not look at me. It's not, hey, look what I healed. It's to serve others others. Whenever God's gifts are given, they're for three purposes. They are to edify and encourage you. They are to heal others or or edify and encourage others, and they are to glorify God. If your heart is to see the people healed and that it brings glory to God, and it's not about you. You're in a good spot. We are called to serve people in so many ways, and one of the ways that you serve people is through healing. God says you lay your hands on people, you see them healed. Obviously, when we have people up here for prayer, we have man-to-man, woman-to-woman, put your hands on an appropriate spot. Shouldn't even have to say that, but the world we live in. Number three, what if they're not healed? It's a fair question. Hear my heart on this, please. I understand, man, we live in a fallen world. It's hard. It's hard to get out of bed sometimes. And either in our life or maybe lives of our closest friends or family, we've all seen or experienced a healing that we thought was going to take place and it didn't take place. That's hard. And if you've been in that boat, I'm sorry. My heart hurts for you. And it is so hard to be like, God, what are you doing in this time when we see someone who we love end up not being healed. Now praise God for the believer. It's awesome. I mean, if they did not make it, they're fully healed in heaven. That's awesome. Unfortunately, as I've seen the negative side of it and people want to jump to conclusions on why someone wasn't healed or not, That's not our job. Our job is to be like, I'm, I'm going I'm to read the word, I'm going to preach the word, I'm going to teach the word. I'm not, I don't know your situation. I don't know your heart. I don't know. I'm not God, but I'm sorry. And it says weep with those who weep, mourn with those who mourn. Be empathetic. Stop trying to figure everything out and why so-and-so didn't receive a healing. as dangerous as it can be to say, well, you didn't have faith, it's also just as dangerous to say, well, that's just the sovereignty of God. He just, guess it wasn't your time, guess it wasn't your turn. Both are dangerous. I mean, you can't deny scripture talks a lot about obviously having faith, duh, but we don't know all the answers. We don't know why certain things happen the way they do, and we need to stop trying to jump to conclusions as to why. But what I can say throughout all of that, what cuts through all of it, God is still good. And He loves you, He's for you, He's not against you, He has a plan for you. And His heart breaks too. Number four, I I prayed and nothing happened, so what's next? Well, this is where we have to be careful. Kind of bleeds into the the third point a little bit here, but this is where we have to be careful because we, we pray and we don't see an answer right away and we go, okay, wait, whoa, hang on, something's not right here. It's difficult because far too often we take our lack of answers as assuming it's God's will. We have to be careful there. And it's so tempting when we see someone who maybe we really look up to and they didn't receive the healing they were asking for. And all of a sudden, if we're not on our guard, we can start to think that that is God's will for our lives. Well, I didn't see it in so-and-so. In my own life, I have seen prayer warriors not receive the healing that they asked for. And it's hard. But you have to be able to say, God, I don't know this particular situation, but I need to stay in my lane and I need to stay with what the word says and I cannot let circumstances define the word as hard as that can be. I think probably the most common argument I hear to why it's not always God's will to heal is because so-and-so wasn't healed. But that's not Bible. And hear my heart on that, please. That's not chapter and verse. As to what, I don't know why said circumstance didn't happen, but I know God's will is to heal. So I prayed and nothing happens. What's next? Well, keep praying, keep pressing in. We have an example in Scripture that talks about this. Jesus goes to the, the disciples and he says, "Go, do it." We read about it. They come back. They couldn't heal the boy. Notice their response. They said. Jesus, why couldn't we heal the boy? Not God, why didn't you heal him? God, why couldn't we? In other words, God, I knew you gave us that power. I knew you told us that anywhere we go, we can proclaim the kingdom and see people healed no matter what. So why wasn't this boy healed? Why couldn't we do it? And it's not a guilt, shame, condemnation. It's a pressing into the heart of God. Man, our truthfully our kids have been sick a lot lately and it is frustrating as a father. It is hard. Had to bring our kid to the ER twice in a couple months. But I'm not going to shy away from God's word. God, you said that we can heal. So I fall on my face and I press into the heart of God and say, God, I need to know more. Let me be with you. Let me experience your heart. What do you have for me, God? What do you want me to learn? What do you want me to grow in? Where am I missing the mark? And you wait and you listen and you wait and you listen. You keep talking to him, but you don't give up. And you keep praying. And you keep confessing it. And you keep healing. No matter what the eyes see. You keep at it. They pressed in. They wanted to learn more and grow more. Lastly, point number five. I still get sick. Jake, what do you say about that? I still get sick and I don't see the miracle, so it must not work. I told you I was going to bring this up about earth healing and heaven healing, you're still in a battle. You're still in a war. The relief of that battle is not coming until heaven. You still have an enemy that hates you. You still have one who wants to inflict sickness on you. You still have an enemy that wants to take you out and give you infirmities and give you all of life's hell. But you have to stand your guard. You need to combat that. We take a head cold lightly and we take cancer seriously and I understand they have different results but God hates them both because it's sickness. It is not his original design. It wages war against his sons and daughters and he hates it. And so when it comes at, we go at it with the word of God and with his healing power and we say, no, you cannot have this situation. I command this sickness to leave in Jesus' name. I believe people are being healed right now in this room. As words speak, God would, man, you'd see words spoken and people would be healed. And I already know there's some people that your symptoms just left, which is awesome. I know it. God is so good. Once heaven comes, you're not going to have to fight for that healing anymore. But as you're still on earth, you got to fight for that healing you got to stand your ground on the Word of God. you got to know, no, this is what God says. Jesus was tempted in all ways, yet didn't sin. Jesus knew he had to stand on the Word of God. It's a battle we still live in, but you've won the battle. You have authority over that battle. You have authority over that sickness. If you are a Christ follower, he breathed his spirit on you. We're going to take some time this morning before we head out. And we're going to see God's healing. God, do it again. Do it again. By your authority, God, let us go and heal. Before we get into it, I just want to ask the question, if, if you have never given your life to Christ, these promises are for you, but they're not yours unless you do have a relationship with Jesus. And I want to start there before we get into this, but if you have never given your life to Christ and you want to give your life to Christ this morning, I want you to raise your hand right now. Praise God. Second question. We're going to get real this morning. Is there anybody in this room that wants physical healing this morning? I want you to raise your hand. Everywhere. Praise God. Everywhere. You're not alone. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Be healed, man. Praise God. Could we we have our prayer partners come back to the front, please? We're going to speak over that. We're going to press in to the heart of God. We're gonna see healings this morning, and I'm so excited. And I'm I'm gonna be calling out some things that I believe God's laid on my heart. And if that's you and you're hearing it, I want you to come up to the front. If you want healing, you already raised your hand, come up to the front. You got prayer partners here who love you. Some of you believe God's gonna heal you in your seat. I really do. God God I pray right now over knee pain even sitting with this knee pain is excruciating God right now that knee pain be gone in Jesus name we speak to it it cannot stand here under the value under the power under the richness of your name Jesus it must go in Jesus name people who are oppressed by the demons God, oppression, be healed in Jesus' name. Bipolar disorder, be healed in Jesus' name. God, we love you. Let us tap into your heart, know your will. Shoulder pain, be healed in Jesus' name. Troubled breathing, be healed right now in Jesus' name. I believe God is opening up those airways right now as we speak. God, neck pain be healed in Jesus' name. Full mobility, full movement in Jesus' name. God, I saw you heal me a couple days ago on the spot, and I know you're going to do it again. Because it prophesies over your heart and what you want to see take place in this body and in this world, God. God, I pray for debilitating back pain, trouble standing right now in Jesus' name, full mobility in Jesus' name. God, people, brain fog, clear minds in Jesus' name. People who got a cancer diagnosis, you are healed in Jesus' name. That doctor's gonna confirm it in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, come over this place. Let your anointing rest in this place, God. For people who have had issues with their fingers, their hands, God, can't fully grab things, can't fully hang on to things, you now have full movement in your hands. God, heal, heal, heal. Jesus. Jesus. Keep praying, keep pressing in. God loves you and he wants to heal you. He wants to heal you. Praise God. Jesus. Let it prophesy. Let it prophesy.